if I understood bisexuality when I was a teenager, I wonder how different things would have been. And I could even imagine when you were growing up, like what representation was even out there. There was really nothing. It was, it was, you know, bisexuality was a, was a joke my dad would tell about, you know, people hitting from both sides of the plate. I mean, that, (laughs) that was kind of, you know, kind of the extent of it. Sounds like a dad joke. and allies. Welcome back to another episode of Bisexual Behavior. I'm your host Talia and I've got quite an episode for you today. Um, I actually had a listener reach out and they pitched their story to me and it really inspired me. It's about um, coming out later in life and it's really important to me as a podcast host who interviews all different kinds of queer people on, on their, their experiences to talk to people of all different ages and backgrounds. So I was really pumped to interview Andrew, and uh, it's a really great episode on how to support your bisexual partner. Say if um, you're married and your partner came out a little bit later in life, how you can be supportive of them. Uh, We talk a lot about being a late bloomer bisexual and what that means and how you can really, uh, you know, embrace your bisexuality. We talk about a lot of book and TV references. So, you know, if you're a listener and you have a story to tell, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm really open to hearing all different kinds of stories. So feel free to uh, message me on Instagram at, at bisexualbehavior, or you can email at bisexualbehaviorpod at gmail.com. Overall, I'm hoping that you're really going to enjoy this episode. Uh, Andrew is really, really great. He uh, is a lawyer and has a really interesting story to tell, and he's very knowledgeable, and it was just a really fun conversation, and I was really surprised to enjoy talking to a stranger so much. So without further ado, here's Andrew. Hello, Andrew. Hello. How are you today? Fabulous. (laughs) Great. So one of the really cool things about starting a podcast um, about being bisexual is that, you know, you start building a community. And um, Andrew here, he actually reached out to me. He listens to the podcast and had a really interesting story of his own. So I said, you know what, let's bring you on the podcast and talk about it. So Andrew, thank you so much for reaching out. I'm so excited to talk to you about your journey with bisexuality. And, you know, the other cool thing is that everyone has a really different journey. Um, You know, we have different experiences with bisexuality sexuality with different relationships. So I think it's really great to talk to all different sorts of people that I've never even met before. So Andrew, I'm going to introduce myself. Um, You can follow the same format. So my name is Talia. My pronouns are she, her. Um, So I'm a a cis female and um, I'm bisexual. What about you? Uh, Yeah, my name is Andrew Prescott, and uh, I I go by the he, him pronouns. Mm -hmm. Um, I I also identify as bisexual, although I think like many of us, sometimes that label isn't wholly adequate or completely comfortable, but that's that's generally how I identify. Yeah. And I'm a cis cis male, cis white privileged male. Yes, I'm also white and privileged. (laughs) And and, and, uh, also, I, I, you know, I really thought that you needed somebody really old on your podcast, so that's that's why I, that's why I volunteered on you. You've had all these amazing uh, younger people doing incredible work in various communities, um, and I thought it might be interesting to um, 
get you know the perspective of someone who's um, been on been on this earth for a little bit longer. Yes, I love that. I want to talk to people of all ages. Um, you know, you just end up reaching out to people that you know and see. But this is why it's so cool to start a podcast because I can just meet people like you um, who wants to talk about their stories. So um, tell me a little bit more about yourself outside of, you know, being bisexual, because we're going to dive into that. But you mentioned sure. that you have a really cool career and that you kind of do a lot of things within the LGBT community. So I just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit before we get started. Sure. So professionally, I'm a lawyer. Uh, I did my time about three decades worth uh, in the law firm setting, most recently with the law firm of Nixon Peabody, which is a national uh, law firm uh, with offices in various major metropolitan areas across the country. Um, I was a partner and a counsel at Nixon Peabody. Um, I was a labor and employment lawyer representing uh, employers and so did a lot of counseling of employers. Um, on discrimination matters and compliance with with the law uh, for many years, and then had an amazing opportunity uh, arise in the summer of 2021 to um, to join a client, South County Health, as the organization's first ever general counsel. So I, I started here at South County Health in August of 2021, and I am. I am really enjoying this change in role. It's an opportunity for me to um, give back to the community in which I live and um, to do something quite different. And so um, at times it's been like drinking through a fire hose, um, but it's really it's really interesting and challenging. And the the executive leadership team has is absolutely amazing. So I'm, I'm pleased about where I am at this point. That's great. It's so hard to find, a, you know, a career or a job where you feel fulfilled and feel that way. So it's nice to hear that you're in a position that you're really enjoying. So let's just dive in. Um, the question I ask everyone, you might know this, is what is your most bisexual behavior? That's, you know, I, I you started out on podcasts, I think, asking what the queerest thing was about <laughs> your listeners. Um, I changed I know, it based on the person. <laughs> I know you've shifted that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's... That's an interesting one. Um, I can give you a fairly long list, but um, let me say, let me start by saying that my 60th birthday party um, occurred at a an amazing Airbnb in Provincetown, Massachusetts, and not one but two drag queens um, appeared and um, and and essentially performed at my birthday party, uh, which my which my wife threw. So, uh, you know, I think. That's a pretty bisexual thing. That sounds uh, very bisexual. And also <laughs> she sounds very supportive. That's so cool. She is. She is completely awesome in that regard. <laughs> um, I was thinking about your question this morning as I also as I walked my um, 14 pound Shih Tzu dog up, up the up the lane with a pride um, leash attached to her and a uh, big bis- bisexual button on my jacket that says, um, by American, B-I American. So, yes. <laughs> uh, never miss the opportunity to be punny about my bisexuality. Of course, you have to. You have to. <laughs> uh, another person I interviewed, their their whole thing is that they love having puns. So we joke about it because I work with them. So <laughs> I, think, I think bisexuals are starting to claim punniness as, yes. as an attribute as well. I think we're going to claim anything we can because I feel <laughs> like for so long we've been a race that we didn't have like cliche culture things. So you know what, I'll take what we can get. 
On Reddit, Absolutely. they say it's lemon bars. I don't know how it's connected, but I'll just take it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. one thing I really wanted to talk about with you and, and what you were explaining about your experience is this idea of being like a late bloomer bisexual and kind of coming out or discovering your sexuality after, you know, you've already been married. Um, I know a lot of people will describe um, late bloomerness very differently. You could hear somebody in their 20s saying that they're, sure. you know, a late bloomer, lesbian or bisexual or, you know, queer, but, you know, it could kind of vary on ages. But I think that the idea of it is that you discovered it later than you would like to. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Why don't you tell me about um, your coming out story? When did you first kind of realize and when did you come to terms with it? I, I think I I really came out to myself sort of about two years ago. And, you know, it's one of those things and other, other guests you've had on have talked about how, you know, sometimes for bisexuals, the signs are there, but for various reasons, because it's confusing in some ways, especially if you have a history of being in heterosexual relationships, it's confusing to figure it out. And and so I think I really realized that, that that's really the label that best described me a couple of years ago. Um, and then sort of embarked on my coming out journey at that point. So I think coming out in your late fifties is, is, is late. I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I think that it's a, it's the exception when someone says, "Boy, I, I think I came out too soon." Right? Most people, mm -hmm. most people talk about coming out later than they wish they had. And that's so true. Yeah, for yeah. for me, for me, um, you know, one of the challenges I have as a late bloomer bisexual is I, I really do mourn, you know, and, and that's a I use that term mindfully. I really do mourn the, you know, the years that I spent you know, not really understanding myself in, in that way and not not living as authentically as I might have, right? You know, it's it's there's a certain sadness attached to that sometimes because you you wonder what might have been, you know, if if that had been something that you came to terms with and, and embraced at an earlier point in life. So, you know, that's yeah. something that I struggle with at times. Well, well spoken. You know, that's something I guess I haven't really thought about is that you are kind of mourning. Um, so how did you um, kind of deal with those feelings? Um, I, I believe you mentioned that you're married or at least you used to be. So is, were you partnered at that moment when you came out? Yes, I was. So um, uh, I've been married twice, um, both times to women. My, my current wife's um, name is Maura and, and she and I have been married for um, about 12 years. Um, she, she was really the first person that I came out to um, after really deciding that not only was this who I was, but also that it was something I needed to share. So, you know, she was the first person. And then, and then slowly after that, as many do, I think, in the LGBT uh, universe came out to others and in other settings after that. So it sounds like she was really supportive. So that's, that's amazing. Did you feel yeah. like very safe when you came out and like you were, you know, ready to tell more people after having that initial conversation? So I approached the conversation with it with some degree of trepidation, even though I knew that my wife is um, absolutely an ally and, um, you know, isn't someone who would have an adverse reaction to someone in their life being something other than straight. 
but it's really a different dynamic, isn't it? When you're, you're already married and you didn't go into that marriage, you know, with the understanding that, um, you were, you know, that, that she was marrying a, a bisexual person. I think on, on some level, she wasn't surprised. Um, I think there were, you know, right. behaviors that suggested that I, I might be something other than completely straight um, for years. But it's it's different. It's different thinking that and suspecting that um, than and it's another thing to actually hear it from your spouse, you know, and, sure. and in, a, in a direct way. So, yes, she, um, she has been nothing but wholeheartedly accepting and encouraging um that doesn't mean that there you know were moments initially where um that brought up for her some anxieties and and some you know fears and and that's completely understandable and and natural and we talked all that through and and i you know i i don't i don't perceive it as an issue in our relationship at all at this point that's awesome yeah i think that it's very normal for you know the spouse to feel confused and, you know, what does this mean for us? Because there's a lot of those misconceptions about bisexuality that it means you're polyamorous or it means that, you know, you could cheat, you know, those types of things. But again, those are all stereotypes. And I think people just have a really lack of understanding of the complexities of, you know, queer sexualities. So, you know, I think it's very normal for a partner to, you know, need to communicate and take some time to understand it. But Absolutely. At the end of the day, having a, a supportive partner makes all the difference for sure. It really does. I, I, you know, I think you asked a minute ago, you know, did that, did that empower me to, you know, to continue my coming out journey? The answer to that is absolutely yes. I, I think it would be a, another thing altogether if I didn't have someone in my corner, you know, to, to encourage that and to support that, that process. For sure. And um, you mentioned that you have kids as well. Have you had those conversations with them? Um, what was that like? Yeah. Um, you know, again, my, 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 so I have, I have four kids, um, two are from my first marriage with my practice wife. I jokingly call her and, um, uh, <laughs> Love that. <laughs> I have a son and a daughter. They're, they're both adults and, um, and two, uh, wonderful 21 year old, uh, stepsons. So, you know, I, I did come out to, to all of them. I was surprisingly anxious and nervous about doing that, which some people might find hard to understand. You know, why would the parent be nervous about the children's reactions? But, um, but I was. And I, you know, at the time I was, I was still drinking alcohol, which I'm no longer. And I remember, you know, having the conversations and then you know, downing a couple of drinks to sort of calm my, my nerves after, after having right. the conversation. The conversations all went completely, absolutely wonderfully. So, you know, there was no bad experience in all of that, but it still can be nerve wracking. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like exposing a part of yourself that you're still learning about. And I think a lot of people think of sexuality as like your sexual preference when it's a different thing. So, absolutely. so how, so, Andrew, how have you um, kind of explored your sexuality since you've come out? And I don't mean necessarily dating men, but I mean, how have you kind of come to, to terms with it and felt more comfortable in it? So, I, you know, I guess I continue to to be introspective about it and try to 
be mindful of how I'm feeling about it and, and where that, you know, where that's taking me at any point in time. I've really embraced being part of the community by, um, by getting involved with some LGBT organizations and trying to contribute to the community in ways that, um, you know, really sort of deploy my, my, my bisexuality in a, in a productive and positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a I'm a, a voracious consumer of um, queer literature and um, anything um, remotely bisexual or queer on, you know, Netflix and, and, <laughs> and streaming services. Of course. Um, and so, you know, just uh, trying to to sort of enjoy the privileges of of being able to be a person who's out and in a safe environment to be so and um, just finding out what that that brings to my life as as it moves forward. Um, what kind of you know TV shows, books, or you know things that have you consumed that has a lot of bisexuality and representation that you want to share? Sure. You know, I, I a year or so ago I read Greedy by Jen Winston. Um, oh yes. Which you know I thought was really a phenomenal book, really um, both humorous and and provocative in a lot of ways. You know, in the in the realm of fiction, um, I don't know if you've read Gunkle by Stephen Rowley, but that's a really, really cute, positive book about a a, a gay man who uh, is in the public realm and 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 comes out to um, or or takes care of some children who who he he becomes responsible for by various turns of fate. Really, a great funny book. Oh, um, okay. in the bisexual bisexuality realm. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn and Hugo by um, Taylor Jenkins Reid is a really surprisingly um, smart look at uh, bisexuality uh, of someone who's in, you know, who's a, a famous. And um, it's a really interesting, you, you pick it up and you think you've got a beach read. And it really turns out to have some really smart treatment of bi erasure and some other sort of specific bisexual topics as the plot unfolds. I really, I really loved that book. My wife, my wife read it first and handed it to me without giving away the sort of very direct discussions of bisexuality. So that was a really enjoyable read. Nice. A nice surprise. That's yeah. actually on my, my list to read as well. So many people have told me to to read it. So I've got to. It's really cool. And then for, for, for adults, but also for younger people, the, the House in the Cerulean Sea um, by J.J. Klune is is a super Harry Potterish kind of story um, that has a very um, a very um, front and center queer bent to it. Really, really a beautifully written, interesting book. Um, so there's so much great stuff out there. I haven't heard and, about that one. Yeah, it's really it's really fun. Do you find that in terms of bi representation in media that it's more focused on women than it is men? I think that's absolutely true, and I think um, you know I, I I think some shows do a good job with bisexuality, but they tend to be more the exception than the rule. I thought Heartstopper did a really beautiful job having a 
having a bisexual character, you know, sort of at the heart of the story. Um, but it's incredible how, you know, when bisexual characters are in stories, people sometimes don't even get it. They, they misinterpret the characters being, you know, gay closeted or, um, or, you know, by only in sort of a transitory sense, you know, before they come out as gay and, and, you know, even when that's not what the characters really are. So, you know, bi erasure in, in fiction and, and in, in other forms of the media really is alive and well. You know um, what show I think did a really good job of um, really explaining bisexuality versus, you know, being a lesbian was atypical. I don't know if you've seen that, but one of the main characters, um, they have a boyfriend in the beginning and then they start dating their best friend who's a, a girl. Yeah. And um, in one of the seasons where they're together, I think it's the last season, uh, the girlfriend is learning about being a lesbian and saying that she feels really seen, how she's never really been into men. And the main character, I'm really forgetting her name at this point. I feel really bad. Or Casey, Casey. Um, she didn't feel represented, that she didn't feel like that was her. And at the end of the show, she comes out as bisexual. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. So I, I felt like it was an interesting way to say that bisexuality is something that's different, but their queer relationship is still valid. So I thought that was yeah. really nice. Um Atypical is a great show. But then, you know, also in terms of bisexuality, there's not a lot of diversity in the age range of characters because I see a lot of queer shows that are high schoolers. Um, like there's the show The Bisexual in the movie that uh, the same director did, Appropriate Behavior, and they're like in their 20s. So it's just you don't really see a lot of diverse age range when it comes to bisexual representation. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and certainly there's there's little to no representation of you know, folks, folks like me who, who are, are in straight facing relationships, but, you know, but later in life are, are, are dealing with, with bisexuality. So there's, there's a void for sure. And in what ways do you think like having, how can a partner be supportive of your bisexuality? Like how has your current partner really made you feel valid outside of the things that you've already mentioned? You know, she sometimes laughs at my, um, you know, my bisexual buttons or my, my goofy bisexual pride hat that I wear in the winter or, you know, but, but, it, but she's really um, okay with basically however I choose to express and communicate my bisexuality. And she has clearly taken the time to understand um, some of the concepts that we've just been talking about. She's also not only encouraging, but but equally interested in being in queer spaces, you know, is is it, who who wouldn't be okay with going to Provincetown, Massachusetts, right? But For but, <laughs> uh, but but very much, you know, enjoys and supports that kind of thing. So you know, I don't know. There's there's just a there's just a variety of ways in which she has been been supportive, and it takes some honest communication. I, I think that's mm -hmm. one important thing for couples where where one has one of the um, spouses has come out as bisexual is just being willing to ask and answer the hard questions about what that means for the relationship and mm -hmm. um, and if that changes being honest about that with, with with your partner communication is is an essential element of of any romantic or sexual you know uh, long-term relationship so I, th I think that applies equally here 
Absolutely. Um, one of the previous guests that I had on the podcast, they talked about how they're in, you know, couples counseling because they're both they're both bisexual and it's they it's really helpful to have someone there to help them communicate about those types of things. So communication is really the best thing that you can do for anything that you're experiencing in, in a relationship. So. I love I love that couple story. They were really they were really fantastic. I know. They're so sweet. They're they're so so fun to talk to too. So Again, it's yeah. so nice meeting different people from this podcast. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so one thing you mentioned a little bit earlier is that you are currently sober, that you're you're uh, not drinking alcohol anymore, um, not necessarily related to being bisexual, but I wanted to kind of learn a little bit more about that. Do you, was that challenging to do while you were kind of coming to terms with your sexuality? Yes. And, and you know, I, I look back at, at my you know, at my life over the last couple of decades and, and think that my failure to, to come to terms completely or to understand completely my sexuality, I think at least on some unconscious level was one of the drivers of the anxiety and other challenges that I experienced, which in turn then, um, certainly contributed to my, um, excessive drinking and an inability to um, to remain alcohol free for an extended period of time mm -hmm. until um, this most recent uh, decision to to become uh, alcohol free, which, you know, I guess you live day by day. Right. But for me, it's been nice. over 300, 340 something days. And, you know, I'm feeling increasingly confident in being alcohol free and, and being able to maintain that. So, you know, I guess I guess what I'm saying is that I think that's been um, my ability to remain alcohol free has been has been helped by, you know, being more emotionally at peace as a result of acknowledging my bisexuality and, and being open on and honest about it. Wow. Well, congratulations. That's incredible. And I know that that's quite a journey. So it's very impressive. And what a great correlation that you've made, you know, that you're finally coming to terms with who you are, you're, you're settled in your sexuality and, you know, you might not feel like you need those crutches as much. So, you know, they, they do say that bisexual people have the highest rates of sexual assault, domestic violence, um, substance abuse, uh, you know, mental disorders, all those types of things. And Absolutely. it's kind of hard to fully pinpoint what the correlation is, but I think it does have a lot to do with, you know, having trouble understanding your sexuality, feeling like you don't fit in, in spaces. And I think obviously it's very complex and there's so much that's involved in that. So it was really interesting that you made that point, but um, do you find that there's other things that maybe hindered you from coming out or understanding your bisexuality? Absolutely. I mean, so, so I was born in 1962 and graduated from uh, high school in, so it was 1980. And those were very different times. Um, wh when I was in high school, um, I would say homophobia was, was rampant and, um, and extreme there. I, I really don't recall any um, of my classmates in high school being out uh, in any way, shape or form. It just was a really risky thing to do at the time. And so I think when you're bisexual and you live in that kind of a time, you, you know, you continue along with your, you know, your heterosexual side. And it's 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 pretty easy to have, you know, opposite gender relationships 
and not ever really talk about, come to terms with that other side of yourself, it's just so much easier, right? You, you fit yeah. in, you're not subject to the, the bullying or the abuse that, you know, not only do you fear, but it's probably, you know, a, a reality the, mm. the you know, the term gay, um, when I was going through high school was absolutely, you know, a term that people used to hurt other people. It was, it was very disparaging and even, even queer, I, you know, I think has recently had a metamorphosis in terms of, of being sort of owned and adopted by the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. But that, that was another term that was used in a very disparaging, um, hurtful sense when I yeah. was going through high school and, and, and even into college. So I think, you know, I think those were some of the circumstances. And, you know, when you're a bisexual male and you really adore and love women and it's easy to just sort of choose that side and, and, and bury the other side. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I think those, those circumstances led me to defer and delay sort of really coming to terms with, with my full, my full self in that regard. Yeah. And I feel like very privileged for coming out, um, not in high school, because I feel like when I was in high school, even it was, there's no way that I could come out without getting severely bullied. And I mean, I already was bullied. So it's just, it, it was a very unsafe and scary time. And I'm sure it is for people now coming out at a younger age, but it seems like there's so many more people that are coming out um, in terms of sexuality and in gender and that it's way more accepted than it's ever been. I mean, like my friend will look at me and be like, wow, you look really gay today. And I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Whereas before I'd be like, what, what do you mean? It's just crazy how different it is. And I mean, I am so happy for everyone who's able to safely come out, but also it is kind of hard to see like all those years that I missed on just being queer because I was so afraid. So it's a, yeah, it's quite a challenge yeah. for different generations, for yeah. sure. You raise a good point. I, I don't mean to downplay, you know, the fact that there still is is lack of safety for, mm-hmm. um, for many folks who would like to come out, um, certainly in other countries, but but still sadly in this country as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I, you know, but I do think there are more resources. I do think that in many school systems there is an increasing there's increasing inclusion and and awareness i i think it's a i think things have improved dramatically since since i was that age oh absolutely yeah and i mean again it really depends on your family your upbringing all those types of things but like in general like even just being on social media it's queer content is everywhere there's so much more representation i mean I, if I understood bisexuality when I was a teenager, I wonder how different things would have been. And I could even imagine when you were growing up, like what representation was even out there. There was really nothing. It was, it was, you know, bisexuality was a, was a joke my dad would tell about, you know, people hitting from both sides of the plate. I mean, that, (laughs) that was kind of, you know, kind of the extent of it. Um, Sounds like a dad joke. And and so when, you know, when my wife was asking me questions about, you know, similar to what you've been asking, sort of when did you know and, you know, why haven't why haven't we had this discussion before? I, I think part of it is and it, it may be harder for for straight people to understand is that the terms are there, but, you, but 
but they're not as available as you would think, you know, and you, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a matter of really having the content out there, which is, you know, I'm very grateful for podcasts like yours because part of what I did was listen, listen to podcasts and do reading and, and really use that to sort of think about who I was and what I wanted and how I, how I might live as a, an out bisexual. Yeah. No, that's great. And do you, have you been more out like in your work life as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I laugh at myself when I think about, you know, how I first put my toe in the water at work and in other places. Right. I, um, somewhere here in my office, I have a, a mug that I bought very early on in my process that, that had a bisexual um, pride colored American flag on it, but not, not particularly obvious and not particularly well done. Um, gotcha. <laughs> and and I, remember, I remember bringing that into work and starting to drink coffee out of, out, out of it thinking, you know, Oh, this is so risky. Everybody's going to know. And in fact, you know, you know, almost nobody would notice. Right. Right. Just <laughs> another bisexual would notice. <laughs> exactly. Which there were, yep. you know, were any out ones. So the, the chances <laughs> that anybody would ever say anything or, you know, infinitesimal, but you know, that's sort of, that's sort of how I started putting my toe in the water. And, and so, but when I came here, um, I really made the decision that I was going to be fully out for right from the beginning. And if the organization had any sort of issue with that or people in my workplace had an issue with it, I would have to deal with it. But I just was done sort of not not being out in the workplace because I think, you know, as pro- professionals, as many of us do, we spend so much time at work. And there was recently a good article online, I think by uh, Blaze. I'm going to get the, the the last name wrong. Stewart, I think, is his last name. But a really good short article about people who come out in the workplace but not aren't really sort of fully out in the workplace and how limiting that can be. And, and so I just made the decision that I was going to be completely out. And, you know, I've got I've got all sorts of bisexual um, stuff in my office. And, you know, recently we had we had somebody new to the organization come into my office to meet with me and looked around and, you know, very quickly came out to me. And, I, you know, and it, it, it's gratifying because I think if we make manifest our bisexuality in a way that's comfortable for us, we also implicitly encourage other people to to do the same. And I think, you know, that that just creates progress. That is so true. And like when I hear people say like you're in a straight relationship, why does it matter that you're bisexual? I think of that. I think of all the people who are struggling to come out and by you being out and talking about it, it makes them feel like, hey, actually, it's okay for me to talk about this. So I think that's so important. And if you can be out, then be out. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So I have a new segment that I'm excited to share with you. So um, are you, do you do Reddit at all? Do you ever look on Reddit? I, I, I have in the past. I'm, I'm not currently (laughs) using it, but I, I know about it. Yeah. So one thing when I was kind of coming to terms with my sexuality is that I was always on the bisexual subreddit and I started to notice that everyone's asking the same types of questions and I thought it might be cool to read um, one of the conversations or what are the questions that somebody asked on it and we can talk about, about sure. it. Um, I picked something that's a little bit similar to yours. It's a story from a, um, a woman. Uh, 
but I thought, you know, it kind of pertains to you because it's somebody who's married, um, kind of they're trying to explain to their husband about it. So let's dive in. So this one is uh, titled, I finally accepted I was bi after getting married and having kids. So I, 25 female, married my 27 male husband when I was 19. All of my life, I was surrounded with homophobia and religion that would not accept me for who I am. With that being said, I suppressed my curious feelings. I was never able to navigate or explore my feelings as it was not an option for me to do safely with the support from anyone close in my life. Now that I'm getting older, I have removed myself from religion altogether and I'm settled down. I feel like I'm mourning the exploration I never have had. I have two kids now and I am with a hetero cisgender man. I even doubt my own identity at times because I was never able to solidify my curiosity. I still haven't come out to hardly anyone because even though I'm not religious, uh, I know being anything but straight is not acceptable to my family, my side and his. My husband has accepted it when I told him, but he's not comfortable discussing it. He seems to push it out of his mind. Any suggestions? Has anyone ever gone through this? I feel like I can't fully classify myself as bi since everything else everything else is telling me no, and I've never even tried anything. I have a lot of thoughts on that. Do you have any initial thoughts? <laughs> well, there's a lot a lot to unpack there. Right. There? Yeah. Just, uh, this is why I'm addicted to Reddit. <laughs> yeah, that's so thought-provoking. I mean, the she used the term mourn, as did I earlier in this right. conversation. So I think, I think that that element of sadness is something that many of us have to sort of process and, and work through. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, first of all, I, I hope that she understands, as I came to understand, that you can be bisexual and, and, and have every right to claim the bisexual label, mm-hmm. whether you've, you know, ever, ever explored your, your bisexuality sexually or romantically or not mm-hmm. that's it's not about that it's a, it's about exactly about who you are and how you feel and and your emotions and desires whether you've acted on anything or not and um i think that's something that that many bisexual people struggle with especially those who you know have 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 ended up in heterosexual relationships so Yeah. An analogy I like to use for that is that, you know, a straight person who hasn't had any sexual experience still knows they're straight and nobody questions that. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and it's got to be really hard to come out as bi when you have that kind of nagging in the back of your mind. But as you mentioned, you know, being bisexual is more than just who you've had sex with or who you've been partnered with. It's part of who you are. So yeah. 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 That's, Absolutely. One of the first thoughts I had, but another thing that stuck out to me is that she was saying that she didn't feel like she had anyone who could support her and that even her husband kept dismissing what she was saying, which I don't, that would make me feel really lonely. I don't know about you. Oh, absolutely. Um, if you, if you, if you feel that you're not getting the, the support that you need from your spouse, that can be a really uncomfortable uncomfortable environment in which to live day to day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And as I mentioned before, I think there's that period where it's normal for your partner to need to understand it, maybe take time to think about it. But if they're dismissing what you're saying and not wanting to listen to it, I feel like that's like a bigger problem for sure. Yeah. You know, I think, 
I think um, couples therapy, as some of your other guests have talked about, can be extraordinarily helpful and create a safe space for airing some of those those issues. That may be, you know, that may be something that she asks her spouse to, you know, to try with her. You know, it's important that I think it's important that she not just just bury this and and you know and sort of try to put it in a box and put it in a closet because as i learned in a different way under different circumstances it does it does come back to bite you over time it does it's kind of like opening pandora's box because once you're like oh i'm definitely not just straight like those feelings they just get stronger and stronger and more intense so if you don't have anyone to talk to it must be so hard so i hope that person is able to like find community in different ways in the meantime, whether that's through Reddit, I hope that they were able to make connections that way or, you know, online finding podcasts, you know, what you did when you came out was, you know, reading literature, watching things. I think that really does help and make you feel less alone. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, journaling and, and you know, exercising self-care in whatever, whatever way she can in a way that's sort of affirming mm-hmm. is just so important. Because I, 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 you know, as some of the statistics show that you cited earlier, um, mental health issues for people in in our community are, are prevalent and serious. Yeah. And again, it's, you know, I, queer people, uh, anyone within the LGBT spectrum are really susceptible to, you know, different things. And it's just really important to find counseling, find resources, know that you're not alone. Um, in the show notes, I'll add some resources as well. But um, yeah, that. That, now you've uh, made, now you've made me worried about this person. I'm gonna I'm gonna be worried. You know? <laughs> this is what I deal with every day, and I read the relationship advice Reddit. And Andrew, let me tell you, every day I'm like, why are these people together? Like, why haven't they broke up? Like, I want to just like message message the person, and be like, are you okay? I just <laughs> I've got to maybe not follow that subreddit. But <laughs> the bisexual one, I feel like it's a lot of very similar questions like that, or people who are like. I might want to try being open. How do I have those conversations? Um, yeah. I'm not super qualified in that realm because I'm a monogamous person, but yeah, maybe I'll have a, a you know a polyamorous person answer those types of questions. But but yeah, it's a very common experience for a bisexual person, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else you want to add about that? Maybe like if you know other ways they could try to talk to their partner if they're not willing to listen. I think it's really a matter of saying as directly as possible that that this is really important to me and that that I need you to um, be open and encouraging and not dismissive and and it, it's hurtful to me you know really being clear about the impact that that's having and and maybe assuaging at the same time some fears about what you know, what it means, maybe asking the husband to open up about, is that, is that creating fear for him? You know, does it, does, does it make him feel like the relationship is in jeopardy or, or not sustainable in the long term? You know, maybe try to tease some of that stuff out in, in conversation. Yeah. And I think if you're not able to talk about it, I don't know how well that relationship is going to last, you know, because there might be other communication issues. I'm no relationship expert, but I do know how isolating it can feel to not be supported when you're, you know, first coming out. So I feel for yeah. that person. Me too. 
So Andrew, we're running close on time, but um, the last thing I want to ask is, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Um, Do you want people to follow you on social media? Is there an organization that you'd love to shout out? Yeah, thank you so much for that. I I really wanted to mention um, Youth Pride Inc. I I joined the Youth Pride board fairly recently, and and I am really proud of the work that this organization, organization is doing in Providence and Rhode Island and and even beyond the Rhode Island borders, helping uh, young people who are LGBT or questioning, you know, find a safe place. There's a a drop-in center where folks can just show up and and, and be in a safe place with community. There's counseling and and groups. Um, There's a, there's, there are, life's basic needs provided food and um, and help with housing, really a um, sort of a comprehensive, holistic delivery of services to youth who, who really, you know, can live a little bit on the edge sometimes when they, they are either ostracized or um, their basic life needs aren't being met. So I'm, I'm really excited about, about Youth Pride people feel moved to, to support the organization, I'd be, I'd be super grateful. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to check them out. I'll put them in the show notes. Um, but they sound like an awesome organization. Yeah. So I'm happy to talk um, about them. Really, we, we had our board retreat um, last weekend, and um, my fellow board members are really bright, committed people who you know, really just want to make um, the world a better place for young people who are struggling with some of these issues. And it's it's part of the reason, again, part of the reason that I bothered to come out, you know, was not only for myself and really sort of, re, you know, realizing myself, but also putting myself in a position to, to contribute to organizations like this, because I know how important it is, what yeah. an impact yeah, and um, that's a really good point in mentioning being on a board, too. I think that's a really good way to not only advance your career, but more importantly, support a cause and an organization that you're really passionate about if you can't work with a nonprofit, because I know it can be hard uh, because the salaries aren't great. But being on a board, I think, is really meaningful, especially when you're working with people who are equally as passionate. Yeah, and, you you know, it, it's, it, it, it's a way for um, someone, you know, maybe even somebody who's not out and and wants to present as an ally to be in a, you know, be involved in a queer organization and and have some of that exposure that it might be difficult to get, um, especially if you're in a straight facing relationship. So, you know, I found that really, really empowering. I got, I've, as a result of being a lawyer, I was able um, at my former law firm to work with uh, the bi-con Robin Oaks, um, who, um, you know, is is responsible for sort of the prevalent definition of what it means to be bisexual and who publishes a internationally known um, quarterly newsletter um, for bisexual women. Yes. Um, I've, I've worked a little bit with the Boston, uh, with the Bisexual Resources Center based out of Boston. So it's it's just, you know, it's it's a way to to really feel part of the community. Um, Absolutely. Such yeah. great advice. Um, I really think working with those communities is the biggest thing that makes me feel a part of the community. So uh, again, I'll link to those in the show notes, but those are all great organizations. Um, you should follow them on Instagram, donate to them, um, all of that. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and just lastly, you know, again, my, my employer, South County Health, is 
is a fantastic organization um, serving um, folks in Southern Rhode Island and, and even further up towards the center part of the state. We're a small community hospital, um, the only independent community hospital in Rhode Island, double five-star rated by, the, uh, by CMS, and, and also a, a, a fantastic organization, one to whom I hope support flows um, as a result of, of me having this conversation with you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, I just said, I, I, again, I so appreciate the work that you're doing. You know, I, I'm sure you have zero time for yourself when it comes to uh, working and doing this podcast. I don't yep. know how, you, I don't know how you do it, but. Um, That's why I went monthly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really important and it's a really meaningful contribution to to the community. And so I applaud you for doing the work. I um, support from people like you who are making me continue to do this and feel like this actually means something and it makes me really happy. So it's really nice to uh, hear that other people are benefiting from it as well. So thank you to Andrew for being on the podcast. I think this was really an important episode for a lot of people who may have a similar experience or they have a partner who's had a similar experience. So it's really great to hear from listeners too. So I really appreciate it. Of course, you can rate, review, and subscribe to Bisexual Behavior on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really helps, you know, expose the podcast to more listeners and more people who can really benefit from this type of content. Uh, feel free to email me with questions, thoughts, or anything at bisexualbehaviorpod at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at bisexualbehavior. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Talia Tatiana. I'm not super interesting, but you know, why not? Uh, but thank you again for listening. Uh, we will see you next month. Okay, bye! Bye!